0: This is the unfiltered truth about entrepreneurship, raw, no BS, no sugarcoating. Welcome to Entrepreneur Intel. I'm your host, Wes Matthews. Each episode, we'll learn from experienced founders and uncover the top 5% learnings that led to their success in all things personal, family, and business. This show is sponsored by Stealth Consulting, delivering clear marketing strategies, ROI, and no surprises. I am really excited for today's guest, uh, and a very experienced entrepreneur who is driving the real estate industry forward. He bought a company for $25,000 and turned it into a $30 million business, received numerous accolades, uh, including being one of the top 99 fastest growing companies on the Inc. 500 list, currently chief executive officer at Great Lake Investments. Welcome, Mike Kalis. Mike, thanks for coming on. Well, Les, it's awesome to get a chance to connect with who I think is one of the best marketing people uh, that I know. So oh, it's, it's really cool to have a chance to get to chat. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'm super excited to have you here. Um, but I, ha- I have to start with this question. You've been an entrepreneur for over 15 years. What's the, what's one of the most important lessons you've learned over this journey? We got a lot to go into, but well,
1: um, you know, at this point, um, my my number one thing that I would tell uh, business owners out there that are starting is, is put yourself first. Um, I think we get really driven with our our cause and and what we're behind and how we're trying to change the world and how we're trying to make an impact. And I can't tell you how many business owners I talk to that say, I put everything into the company. I put everything into my vision. And, and maybe if they would have just set aside a little bit uh, for themselves, it would have been all right. Um, you know, I paid everybody on my team more than I made. Um, you know, I invested in our office and I made it beautiful. We had customer service challenges, so I plowed money into that. But then, if you leave yourself kind of out in the cold, um, thinking that there's going to be that payday down the road, it's possible that it never comes. So, uh, from my experience yeah. and everything that I've been through right now, is um, invest in in cash flow. Understand the difference between an investable asset and something. That is a business. That's a wonderful business, but maybe good for you to have a lifestyle off of um, and put yourself first. So that that's that's really my my lesson of the moment, I suppose.
0: No, that's great. I mean, there's a lot of nuggets to unpack there. Uh, so you first, and, and we're talking about marketplace homes. You bought this business for twenty five thousand dollars. Seller financing too. Seller financing. So, yeah, we had to pay this. So uh, so to go back to
1: that, um, you know, I was 20, 26. Um, you know, I, I'd had a job for three years at Pulte and, and I think this is a really good, uh, lesson. If there's anyone out there that's thinking about starting a business, um, just do it. Like you don't necessarily have to quit your job. So we kind of created that within the business we were in. So I was working for a large builder. They couldn't sell any homes and, uh, you know, you'd make a hundred thousand dollars on a new home and somebody would have a hundred thousand dollar home to sell. So it's kind of like, you know, can we just sort of put the money together a little bit here? Um, and so I started doing that and and I just went to all the real estate investment meetings and stuff around Detroit. So I just kind of knew everybody. And um somebody would come in with a hundred thousand dollar home and the builder could pay fifty, and I would just have a list of investors I'd go through. And in two thousand and eight, when nobody could sell a home, I had it sold in like twenty minutes. Wow, um, so we just kind of started this. and and uh, at some point, one of the investors I had was like, you know, what are they paying you? And I was like, Nothing like it's just really fun. Like, you know, and they're like, you've moved like five million dollars worth of real estate in the last few months when nobody's able to sell anything like, you know, maybe you have a business here. And so I was kind of able to like sort of build up this thing and sort of do a proof of concept that was helping the company that I was in. And and as I got out of that, that was by accident. But I've seen so many other people do that. You know, maybe they start in the company, any company that you're in. There's going to be something where you're like, man, this could be better. Well, like how much better? Make it better. Like, do it. And, and one of two things will happen, like either the company will have to pay you more money because you came up with a really good idea um, or that good idea is so good that it could be spun off and be its its own thing. And now you've already got a proof of concept and you can just kind of move into it. So so that was how it started. Um, so I partnered with one of my investors. And then after about a year, um, it, it was basically like just me <laughs> running the business. So it was kind of like, hey, there's a website. So like, um, you know, we'll, we'll buy the, the website and we'll kind of take it. And then uh, from there, we
0: grew, you know, all around the country. So this is back in, is it 06 or 08? Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I think right in the middle. Right probably in the middle of 07, well, it's what's,
0: what's interesting to me. So at that same time, you're, you're doing this, you see this opportunity, you're working at Pulte selling homes. I'm on the other side of this thing, right? We don't know each other. I have a condo in Canton, Michigan that I think I bought at the time. Again, I'm 25 or something and. 145,000. It's it's worth probably 80, right? Because the 2008, 2009. So here I am sitting on this condo. One day, my, my brother in law at the time, he's like, You got to listen to this radio ad. There's a company out there that will guarantee your rent on your condo and you can go buy a new home. Because at the time, I was sitting there banging my head against the wall and I'm like, How the hell do I get out of this condo? Like, we're a young family about to have a baby or had a baby. I can't quite remember. And I had like, I was running out of options, and I, I didn't want to short sale the condo. A lot of people around me were just letting places go, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. I made a commitment, whatever, and uh, I heard a, an advertisement for Marketplace Homes, and I remember calling and, and actually getting this deal done, and fast forward, it got me out of my condo and solved that problem, and I bought a new construction home in Novi, and that was like my, my Kickstarter to my life on a new construction home, which... I had never thought new construction was even in the cards for me, which led into another new construction home, et cetera. But I I just go back to that point where it's like, Holy cow. Like that was to me at the time I had a problem. You had this like crazy solution and I did it and it. And it worked amazingly, which created a a huge opportunity. Well, first of all, what you're saying was like the whole reason I was doing it. Right? Yeah.
1: So I think a lot of entrepreneurs start start businesses where that that's it is you're just like, there's really a problem. And like, um, you know, we had kind of that starfish analogy. There's that story of the million starfish that are dying on the beach and the boy picks up one and saves it. And they say, what's the point? You're never going to save all of them. And he's yeah. like, I just saved that one and and uh that was kind of what we did with the foreclosure crisis because people be like what's the point like everyone's and i'm like well hey if we can help one person not do that then that's better and if we can help 100 people not do that then that's better this kind of goes back to my original point though is we were so driven like you said you you heard uh you know marketing i mean the amount of money we were pouring into marketing um we were just taking everything and just like dumping it because we felt like we had to shout this to everybody so um, you know, we were on like every radio station and every TV station. And, you know, this was back when like people listened to radio right. and TV. Right. So it actually kind of made sense. Um, you know, and later kind of transitioning into a lot of the, the online stuff. Um, and, and, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, there were some good lessons learned from rapidly growing, uh, a marketing funnel, uh, where we, man, I could share some crazy stories of things that we lost a lot of money on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll give you one. So we, we opened up uh, in in the Inland Empire in California and we were opening so many new markets around the United States. and I was just flying all of them and and like we weren't able to get out to this one. so I'm like, ah, you know, just kick on the marketing like you know, I got some people in the ground where and uh, so they bought ads across Los Angeles, which isn't even, it's like three hours outside of the Inland Empire. <laughs> and we had somebody in there like, you're running ads for like a neighborhood that is like not even like <laughs> like the in the vicinity, you know, it'd be like running ads in Chicago for yeah. homes in Detroit. You know, it's yeah. like this, this is the silliest thing. And and so I think we spent $70,000 on, on radio in Los Angeles talking about something that applied to absolutely nobody there before we figured out how to kill it. And, and that's one of the crazy parts of being on something that's hyper growth. And, you know, there's, there's things that are like medium growth and then there's hyper growth. Um, and, and I think the thing that was unique about our journey is we had no outside money. So this was like my checking account. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, taking money and just being like, eh, this will probably work. Um, and, and making sure that it would, and, and. Why did we do that? And I think that this is this comes to if you talk to an entrepreneur, you know, hey, are you open to marketing or are you not? The ones that are really open, genuinely believe that they need the world to hear what they're doing. Yeah. They, they just believe it. It's just kind of like, I know what I'm doing is so good. Kind of what you said. And, and we tell people and they go, this is too good to be true." And you're like. If that's the biggest objection that I have from everybody, is yeah. like what we're offering is too good to be true, we will work to like solve that yeah. objection. But if everyone just hears it, I swear, you know, we'll be able to change uh, real estate. We'll be able to change the landscape, uh, you know. And then if I look back at it, you know, what if I tapered that a little bit? Uh, probably.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like what What? What fueled that from you? I mean, were did you grow up in an entrepreneurial family of just like building massive companies or... You know, if, if I look at your path of, you know, buy a business for 25000 but then you just, like, scale this thing massively, right, versus some people, like you mentioned, buy a business, just kind of grow it to a lifestyle, but you went the other way. You're like, you're flying here, you got boots on the ground, you're nationwide, you're just grow, 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 pumping money back into this beast. Why, why that um, path?
1: I don't think that um, I felt fear. Um and, and maybe that comes from uh, probably my mom. You know, we all. Um, I, I'll give you a good example of what I get from her was I remember going to her, and we were one of the first people to invent what we called cloud real estate. It was the idea that we could sell homes over the phone anywhere in the country. And then I and I went to my mom, and I'm like, dude, I'm gonna change this to like, you know, our company slogan is gonna be, "We move the world." Like, forget this, man. Like, why just the United States? We're going global, baby. And and her first like straight faced response to me was like have you thought about the universe, Mike? Right. You know, there's a whole entire, you know, realm that you're not even like thinking about right now, you know? <laughs> and so, so I think when you have somebody kind of behind you, that's, yeah. that's sort of like, you know, that's a great idea, but, but what if we made it a little bigger, you know? And, and, and I was just raised with that. So I, I kind of just had that around me. Um, my dad was a stockbroker. Um, so I had that business side, you know, at 11, I could tell you the price of Ford. <laughs> like, that's just what I grew up around, you know? Um, and, and, and uh, curiously, um, through different reasons it gave me an incredibly cynical view of stocks i refuse to buy them uh still so today
0: uh, you won't buy them today i
1: have nothing i have nothing in the stock market everything's private really? investments I, I refuse um and and it, i so my dad's a wonderful financial advisor he still does it he's in his 70s it's like it's like you know kind yeah. of pastime he loves stocks and the stock market and this and that so uh we'll, we'll debate it and talk about it but for me, I saw way too much um, in corporate America. They do not care about the little investor guy that's in the Midwest who put you know, his $100,000 into their $200 billion company. They just don't care. And my biggest experience came when I was 19 years old and I worked the entire summer at the uh, rock shop over there in Plymouth. Oh, wow. Still there. I, so we worked 60 hours a week. I was making 10 bucks an hour. You get overtime. I saved $15,000. I put it all into WorldCom. And within 90 days, it was worth 300 bucks. And that was supposed to be everything for college. So I went from being like, hey, I've got enough money here. My buddies went and bought cars, had fun, and I was left with nothing. Um, and, and there was that experience. Like if you've ever been really broke, um, you, you maybe don't have a drive to be rich. You just have a drive to not be broke. Um, because like for people that have really been there and like really know what it's like to think, I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to like eat. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like that feels bad. Um, that, that is a bad, bad feeling. And you want to like get out of that place. So I think that experience turned me off to um, stocks. It turned me off to um, big companies and it turned me on to saying like, how do you just control your own, your own destiny? And, and more recently with our, our new endeavors um, with Great Lakes Investments is how do you help people um, invest in their own community with people with their own values? Um, and build hard assets that are actually sellable. So, so for the guy that's got the cool lawn landscaping business with a lawnmower, um, that's a wonderful cash business. He might make great money off of right. it. Tough one to sell. Yeah, you know, it's a tough one to sell. And that's the truth for like ninety percent of entrepreneurs out there. Is you don't have Facebook, yep. you don't have qu- Twitter. I grew up around that. west you know. Zuckerberg's the same age as us. Right, I know. (laughs) Facebook started when I was 18 years old, you know, when when I was at Michigan State. And, and, you know, we all kind of jumped on and we're like, hey, this is cool. And it felt like, hey, your company doesn't have to make any money, it just has to grow rapidly. And money then and investors will come from somewhere. Well, my experience was the opposite. Um, People said, you're in the Midwest, you're not in California, we don't really care about you. And that was sort of what I heard over and over and over. And it got irritating enough that we kind of said, like, I- I'm just done. Like, I'm, I'm really not going to talk to people that are on the coast. Um, we're going to work with people that are in our community that understand what we're doing, that see the value of what's happening here,
0: and um, and and that's kind of my new drive. So I'm sorry if I went off on a little no, bit. No, that's of a great. T- I mean, that's that's an amazing experience share. So is that what led? So you go through the WorldCom WorldCom ordeal at, at 19, go to Michigan State. I'm assuming for business or something. And then you get into real estate. I mean, did you go into real estate because of the experience you had on on the stock side or did you always, did you always have like a passion for real estate or that hard asset?
1: So two things happened there. Uh, So one was um, I I was, I got a job at a pizza place, um, but I figured out how to like make them a bunch of money. So I got um, a, somebody to sponsor our pizza boxes at college. (laughs) So I ended up, they they made a bunch of money. They gave me like 500 bucks and I was like, yes, like I'm finally like uh, out of the hole. Um, That led to a speaking thing. My senior year, I went around, I spoke to over a hundred high schools, like inner city schools, different schools. I would give presentations to like 600 kids um, about going to college. And it was funny because I was showing up in my rusted out Jeep, you know, like I would smell like oil and I'd stand up and I'd give these big presentations and, and I loved it. And that basically led to me getting this, this job at, um, at, at you know, Hulte Hump, honestly, Wes, it, they offered a hundred grand to a 22 year old kid. And I was just, I had been broke and I was like, I will jump through a wall. It's like, what funny. do you want me to do? Yeah. And, uh, I, I remember my first check was three grand and I was like, mom, we're going to Applebee's. Like <laughs> everything's going to be okay. Like we're out of this, no. you know, no more. So I, I think a lot of it um, honestly was, was twofold. It was um, I, I I needed to make some money. I didn't want to be poor, and that was a big driver. And then the second part was I really loved real estate. <laughs> like I I just I, I thought it was
0: a really fun
1: business, and I enjoyed being in it. So
0: so the, the opportunity, like, how does this opportunity present itself? Where you are in Pulte doing your thing, and then all of a sudden there's this opportunity or deal comes across your path where you're like, I'm leaving this secure hundred thousand dollar plus Pulte job to, I'm going to go down this path. Yeah. So, um, and I mean, I remember our, our
1: sales, we had like 40, 50 people on our sales team. It was like the lowest guy made a hundred. The top guy was making a half a million. I mean, it was, it was fun, right? Like it was a cool, but the the thing that ultimately led me to that was I was just constantly the guy in the back of the room that was like, I have an idea, you know, and it sort of became like, does anyone have any questions? Not much. You know, and and, and and I had uh, you know, they match you with like an older person there that's you know kind of been down the path, and yep. I, I just remember I had my little thing, and he goes, Mike, like probably you need to run your own business because none of these things are going to happen here. <laughs> like, like these might be all really good ideas that you're like putting out there, and and uh, but but you maybe just kind of need to do your own thing, and and so it, it was like very consensus driven <laughs> in my life that people were like. This guy's a huge pain in the rear um, in an organization where it's like, hey, just kind of follow the line. I was the guy that was like, what if we did this and what if we did that? And how about we change this? And, um, you know, in a, in a Fortune 500 company,
0: uh, <laughs> that doesn't
1: really get you the bonus. <laughs>
0: yeah, I kind of hear right in the entrepreneurial uh, village, right? It's uh, uh, very unemployable. Entrepreneurs are very hard to employ. They're, they're unemployable to a certain degree.
1: Uh, yeah, there, there's probably a certain level of truth to that, and I think it's just matching people with their giftings. Like, you know, my gifting was going like, "Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why yeah. are we doing this?" You know, and if you're in the place where you're getting rewarded for that, which is when you run a company, and and you can self-deprecate it and give it to the whole team and let them take you know yeah. credit and and run with it, it, it works very well. But if you're in a company, I had seven bosses. Wow, seven, um, and you got to make them all happy. That
0: kind of approaches stuff. So talk about so you you buy marketplace homes, talk about the speed of growth whether it's revenue, people, I mean you did this in a very short amount of time. And there's a lot of crazy things I would imagine throughout this process, but I think about revenue, people, you talk about plowing in capital back into the business on your checking you know not raising outside money to do that. Like where where do you start? Like how do you, you know, how how do you how do you manage that? Yeah, so first
1: year, um, you know, it's just me. <laughs> so I had my car, and and that was before we sort of had the remote stuff. So I put a hundred thousand miles on my car the first year. You know, just driving. Wow. I, I was on Craigslist like there was a home swap tab. People would be like, "Hey, would you buy my home in East Point, and I'll trade you for your home in Novi?" And it's like no one's gonna do. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, this isn't happening. Um, but but I would reach out and be like, "Hey." I might be open, you know, I've got a thing here and maybe we could do that. And then I'd go and meet them and, you know, see if we could put something together and um, eventually I had an assistant and then another one, it got to where I had like four or five people in my living room. Like we had phone cords, like stretched nice. over TVs and stuff. And it was like, okay, we got to get an office. So, you know, finally grew into an office, but um, ultimately it was just about, you know, how do we get the message about what we're doing out? Um, and I had to kind of learn the hard way how to grow, grow teams, how to figure that out, um, you know, and and we felt we had an opportunity because the market was only giving us that for a certain period of time. And that that was part of why we had our foot on it. And part of it was just that we really felt that we were doing something good um, and, and people needed to hear about it. So, yeah, there, there was a year, you know, we went it was like zero to five people and then like five to 30. And then we had a year that we went 30 to 100. Um, and like growing your overhead while you're growing your marketing budget, while you're trying to keep revenue um, basically means that you're left with nothing.
0: <laughs> right? So,
1: you know, I mean, I, you know, people, go, you know, how do you how do you hit those kind of revenues and not make money? And go Well, wow. <laughs> allow me to show you. Um, and, and that's why maybe when you asked at the beginning, you know, what, what's a good lesson? As I look back at that, we had an incredible model and a fabulous business. And I was just so driven uh, to help the people on our team, to grow our culture, to build cool stuff. Um, that that we really didn't set aside money and and uh, my propensity to take risks um, kind of outweighs the fear probably too much yeah um, so sometimes it's good to have you know something that would taper that a little bit um, you know and
0: I can certainly talk about things there um, yeah did that, you bring in like you know what who who was there along for the ride I mean did you bring in a, a number two like a COO did you bring in strategic advisors or just you all know real estate tycoons or
1: all the above. You know, the, the absolute best thing, uh, well, in '07 and 08, you know, we were hiring like college grads with tons of experience for like 10 bucks an hour. And then after three months, we're like, Oh my gosh, I got to pay this guy like a hundred grand somehow. Right. Um, so I mean like we just had a lot of those sort of stories cause there was not a lot of employment and we were hiring. And so, uh, we got great people at relatively inexpensive prices and then very quickly figured out how to pay them. And, and, that's a dynamic that doesn't exist right now. Right now you sort of have to yeah. pay it up. You kind of, like kind of yeah. pay the premium just to get anybody. Um, so that dynamic was unique and special to that time. Um, I did different things with bringing in different, you know, CFOs and people that I thought were strategic, but every single time the absolute best people were the people that kind of started and sort of like we worked them up. I, I had probably 25 or 30 people that started in our call center answering phone calls and then, you know, began running a department and then oversaw something else. And it was always those people that um, kind of had the passion, kind of understood, and they like holistically had learned the whole entire thing from being in it. And they were always the best leaders, um, you know? So we promoted people up by asking everyone, you know? You'd just be like, well, who should run this thing we're gonna start? And it was amazing how everyone would always go, oh, that kind of sounds like so-and-so. And you could, you could ask people in different rooms and they'd all be like, oh, that that's this person. Um, you know and, and in a growing company that's so cool because you're able to kind of pull people and promote them and give them different things and sort of realign their their um, passions and that's probably one of the most fun parts um, about it yeah we, we had an advisory board uh, so we brought in people like that and that, that was helpful um you know but uh the the best thing honestly was just bringing people in and organically training them and
0: promoting them and doing it that way <laughs> so you grew it to a 30 million dollar company which is I mean to be on the Inc 5000 top 99 like to be number 99 on that's amazing. So how fast are you running the whole time you're at this company? I mean it just sounds right. like you're just 24/7. Like did you ever have an off switch or were you just go 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 go? No. No, it never stopped. We we were um I remember actually that was one
1: of the first things I had an advisory board and they were like, "Well, let's see your calendar." And they were like, "You're you're booking your days on the 15 minute <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, yeah. So, so like go. I had an assistant where it was like, you know, at eight at eight, 15 at eight 30, you know, because I mean, that's just like, it, it just didn't end. And then the weekends were just my day to catch up on all the stuff that I didn't get. And then I was basically late to every single meeting. And, you know, it was like comical. It was like, you know, Mike's supposed to be here at nine 15, um, you know, and, and it just never worked. And I was trying to change. Jam- so, I mean, it was just running like crazy. And, um, we did end up with a very good executive team, you know, like, you know, in different phases, it was different people, but good people running sales, good people, uh, running marketing all that kind of stuff. Um, but even so, um, there's so many things that when you're the guy running it, um, it just, it's just, you're like, you got to figure it out, right. you know, there's no one else to do it. And so you're, you're the one that's stepping in and, um, you know, handling the stuff that falls way outside the bounds of normal. And uh, yeah, so I'd say it's pretty crazy for at least the first six or seven years, um, and that's a long time to be crazy.
0: So you grew it to thirty million. Are you still affiliated with Marketplace Homes, or no? Or no. no? What year? What year did you leave? Uh, so that would have been three years ago. Three, three years ago. Because I look at this, I look at this path of you know you you, you fall in love with real estate, you buy that you buy this company, you turn it into the behemoth it is but then at some point now you have a hundred people like now that's the business. Like where, where did you focus your attention or to that? You know, you have the real estate side, you have the people side, you have leadership. I mean, all of a sudden, I think on this entrepreneurial journey, people have an idea, you know, I always say like they're the ones swinging the hammer and then you have to start managing and growing and scaling. And now you like, don't swing a hammer. Um, I mean, there's a lot of analogies, but as an entrepreneur, you have to evolve. Right. But you, you scaled that company so fast.
1: Yeah, for us, it wasn't that
0: Um, it was that the market got good.
1: (laughs) So so what happened was in about 2012, 2013, we had ramped up. We hired all these people. We're pouring money in and uh, like all of a sudden builders had laid off everyone. Right. Like the the building industry had basically been eliminated. And all of a sudden they started selling a bunch of stuff again. And this really happened in about 2012, about 10 years ago. And they didn't have staffing and they didn't have people and they couldn't do it. So we started getting calls from all of our clients basically saying, we don't want to sell homes anymore. Like, like we're, we're good. We're booked for the next 10 months. So just stop. And, and like, you know, you're a marketing person. Like if, if you're marketing some product and they're like, stop selling the product, it's like, yeah. but- this is what I do. <laughs> like, what do you mean? And, and certainly the builders were like, well, we're not going to pay you these big fees because we don't even want you to sell anything. Like, so, so we kind of had this period where we we're like, oh man. So we basically had to take our fees in half. We, we had to half our fees in the same year that we had grown like some absurd amount. Um, and it did actually fuel more business. Like in, in some cases it was just a function of keeping our business. Um, So that was that was one thing that happened. And then the second thing that happened was we started getting competition from uh, funds that were funded from California inappropriately, in my particular opinion, Uh, one of them being Open Door. So Open Door became one of our biggest competitors uh, for people that don't know. Open Door was about five years after us on the iBuying kind of thing. And basically, we were the first people that were doing it. Um, They went out and they raised an absurd amount of money, like 10 billion dollars. Um, basically going and undercutting um, pricing or overcutting pricing. So we would come in and we would buy it what I thought was a very fair price. They would overpay for houses in bulk in multiple markets um, to a point that it became ridiculous. Uh, Now, I turned out to be correct. Uh, I sat in a conference with the guy (laughs) that was running the company and he was like, we're really helping people. And I was like, you're screwing every investor in your company, like to his face. (laughs) And like the whole room is just like whoosh. And and I was like, I have literally watched you buy houses and lose $50,000 on home after home after home. And you keep doing it. And then you go to your shareholders and you tell them you're getting volume. Well, that is stupid volume, right? And this is one of those things where you can be right, but lose. So (laughs) while we were getting this pressure from everybody and our builders are like, well, why don't we just go with them? They pay a lot more for everything. And I had to be like, probably should. Like, uh, I just don't think they're gonna last. And they didn't. Their their stock fell 95%. Wow. They screwed all their investors, which just further goes back to like my whole thing about watching corporate America do this to people. But, you know, hey, uh, you know, all of the big funds in Silicon Valley were able to cash out when it went public. And then, you know, it went down and it crushed every little mom and pop and person that invested in that company. And in the meantime, it really harmed our company. Um, that that was an effect that kind of led to some of the different challenges and things that, that we ended up having at the end, which, you know, I don't mind talking about but
0: how did you concoct that idea like i think it's brilliant like was that an idea that was already budding a little bit or the idea of getting involved with builders and going through that channel i think as an entrepreneur i often think about you know when, when you need to educate somebody on a on a new idea or new widget versus sort of piggybacking on a widget or idea making it a little bit better what was that for you like was that brand new for like i could see you trying to pitch a builder and he's like Mike what are you talking about like do your thing we do our thing these worlds don't collide um well
1: you know everybody that we hired had worked for built so so it's like we were in the industry yeah um it had come from being at one of the biggest builders and so it's sort of I I think your your point about like are you better just being like hey I've got a crazy wild widget or am I somebody that's kind of like adding on um when I was young I thought it was the crazy wild widget idea but but truly like incremental gains are really where you make a lot of a lot of money you know i mean that, i think that's that's where it's at um so yeah we we uh one of my favorite marketing campaigns you, <laughs> you might appreciate is i was like hey each is worth like a million dollars right like if we get a great client you know it could be a million dollar client so we could spend a lot like marketing to these people so i went and i bought these giant bulldozers like kid bulldozers right And I put them in a giant box, wrapped it and like mailed it to them, you know, and it was like a hundred dollars for each one. But I was like, if any of these, and then it just said bulldoze the competition, you know, with our company on it. And I had a lady call. Um, it was the police saying that they thought they'd received a bomb from our company because <laughs> they couldn't understand this this like giant box from an- it's But like I was like, ransom. they have to. You have to open it, right? And like like if you get a box that's delivered to your office and it's like- Oh, very, for sure. Big, I mean, you gotta open it. And then at least, you know, it's got our stuff. And, and alternatively, we did pick up a couple builders. And the reason we did was they were like, this is just weird enough that if like, <laughs> this is what you're gonna kind of like bring to our team then we're, we're in. And, and we were like, cool, then these are probably the right people for us uh, to be doing cool marketing too. So, yeah, I mean, we had builders that were like, absolutely not like, it doesn't make any sense. And then we had other folks that were like, um, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Um, ultimately, uh, for us. And I think that this is true for, uh, we, we had, we won with DR Horton. Um, they're, they're the nation's largest builder. Uh, we spent an entire year with their purchasing team, like getting authorized to work with their, their whole company. And then, um, once we did, um, you know, we, we earned it. Like we were able to work in one division. Um, and then that guy moved up and, you know, they spread us all over. So, you know, I, I think that, that happens to a lot of companies. You end up with one client, they're able to give you an absurd amount of revenue in comparison
0: to, you know, the other hundred small clients that you have. Yep. So you leave and what drove you to leave? Is this 2019, 2020? pre Oh, I was forced out. You were forced out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, what what happened was right around
1: twenty, uh, late, you know, twenty seventeen. Um, we took outside capital, um, and and I think it should be clear. Like, I didn't take outside capital. Again, this is one of those lessons where I was still on the like, we have a mission, we're going to grow this. Like, you know, surely outside investors just want to like grow this with me. Yep. Uh, so so they invested some capital. I put my equity up as collateral. Um, and then they sat on money for, uh, a really long time. We were buying and selling homes and we had term sheets come up on homes that we were going to flip and basically said, well, Oh, look now there's, there's no capital, so we're calling all your equity due. And I
0: lost 100% of everything that I built over 12 years. What does the next day of that look like for you? I mean, you're, you built this I, um, massive <sighs> company, massive amount of people. And now all of a sudden it's just, it's just done. I'll never forget, um, we had a 24,000 square foot office
1: that I had built and it was, uh, you know, bright fluorescent colors and it had a beanbag pit and it had all this stuff. And, um, we'd invested a half million dollars, um, in, into, it. Now, I mean, it was a least off it, but we made like the interior just amazing. And I wanted it to be this incredible, like creative place. And, um, when it was all going down, um, it was just piles of paperwork like, like just heaps of paper everywhere. It was just completely trashed. And like people had taken computers and chairs were flipped upside down. And I mean, it looked like a hurricane went through. And I remember, um, my mom came and we sat there and she was just helping me move my desk. And we just started crying and, and just thinking about it, uh, takes me back to that, um, on how just, I, I can't believe, um, after 12 years and everything that you put in here, um, I can't believe that it's over, and um, it was sad. It, it was really, really sad. Um, but like anyone that's got uh, four kids, I think yeah. we can relate on that. Yeah, figure it out, right? I mean, you got to get up. You got to go and do the next thing. Um, and I was incredibly blessed to be able to do that. Um, but um, it's really sad. And and uh, you know, they say like ninety percent of businesses fail or whatever. Um, but when you're an entrepreneur, you're hopelessly optimistic, and that number just means nothing to you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you're just right. like, well, yeah, but that—that's the 90% that are dumb. Like I'm super smart, right. so like to be able to make this work, and and you have no idea. The thing that I took away from that was we had a core value that said we wanted to create a story worth telling. Um, and nobody can take my story. They can take my money. They can take the company. They can take the employees. Um, they can take absolutely everything, um, but they can't take my story. And so that's where I'm grateful, Wes, for even letting letting me tell it, um, because it's something that I lived, that I created. I know what I put into it. Uh, sure. There were a lot of great people that contributed to help build everything that we built. Um, but ultimately, uh, it was a dust to dust kind of story. And, and that was what I thought. I thought, you know, I, I started with nothing. Um, if I ended up with nothing, well,
0: I didn't really lose. No, it's, um, I, I really appreciate the share. I mean, in, in reflecting back now, you've had three years, right, to digest this. You know, you're, you're now CEO at Great Lakes Investments. You know, did you take a period of time to sort of just kind of figure no, things exactly. out? Or was it like, you know, the next day you're just like, it's it's go Good. time?
1: So so uh, I, I uh, put together an idea with uh, a client. It was one of the biggest builders in Michigan. And it was on how we could do Build to Rent. And we created a company um, called the Copper Bay uh, and uh, they assisted and we worked together. I helped lead it um, as a partnership. I was a minority owner, shareholder, you know, um, and we were able to build um, an incredible amount of homes in a really short period of time. Uh, That was very scary uh, because that was right when COVID hit. So this was all uh, like this happened and then one month later, COVID hit. And uh, they actually banned home building, right? So I'm like, uh-oh, uh, this is going to be a little tricky. And I earnestly thought I was like, uh-oh, like, you know, here we go again, right? Um, and and actually, home prices uh, escalated uh, tremendously. And uh, within a year and a half, we were able to sell 283 homes uh, wow. for uh, almost $84 million, um, which was a fully leased uh, package of homes. And I thought uh, to you your point about being people that are, although I was kind of like the CEO, like it wasn't, this isn't my thing, right? Like these right. guys all started it, they got the whole building thing down. Um, and that was a, an appropriate time for me to be able to exit, um, you know, with a little bit of capital, um, hopefully some goodwill, uh, still, still a partner on, um, some of the projects and things that we created and, um, just Said, you know, this this is an incredible model, and we're just going to kind of keep doing this with our family and friends, and that, and that's what we've done ever since. Is um, we do build to rent. Um, you know, our friends and family kind of invest alongside of us, um, and they're hard assets. It's housing. It's easily understandable. I've got some very strong rules that we have to follow to hit them, um, which are super easy. Uh, we have to buy below replacement. So if we can't get land below replacement, we have to have an eight cap. We have to have twenty percent embedded equity from day one, right? So if we if we hit those things, um, then we are rocking and we'll move forward uh, with deals, um, which end up being you know really conservative but but good investable deals. And what I learned was that it's it's much easier for investors to be able to invest in a pool of real estate. So I had two things happen. I had my brokerage that in the end didn't make the guy that originally owned it money, didn't make me money. God bless the people that are there now. Right? Um, <laughs> Whereas I saw what a portfolio of real estate could do. It could appreciate, it could easily be liquidated and sold. And everybody that was behind it could pretty easily agree upon values and what was there. And I'm like, this is just a better, more investable model. So for me, it's like, I will never take outside capital for our building company or for our real estate company. Those are just things I do for personal cash flow for my family. But we do take capital on outside assets that are incredibly easy to understand uh you know you just know if there's a house there it's like it's worth you know
0: 300 or 305 but it's somewhere in there and if we built it for 220 there's a nice chunk of equity so i've got to ask i mean we have similar stories in the sense of you know i I left the company i started a couple years ago um yeah i have questions every now and again where, where they're like would you do it differently? Or like, do you regret anything or this, that, and the other? And I'm kind of like, I think for a moment I I did, right? You kind of relive this, like this was my life. And I didn't really realize like how much of me was tied up in that business. But as I look to the future or like, as you look to the future of Great Lake investments, is it just take all your experience and and apply what you really want here. And you can kind of put that past behind you. Cause I look at it personally as like, those are sort of all building blocks to the next thing. And like, I'm not going to, I personally don't try to dwell back and look back and what could have been, or it's like, no, it is. And you just kind of make adjustments as an entrepreneur does and just kind of move forward with the, with the new thing. I think, I think you have to do that. Um, there's some things that retrospectively I can look back
1: at and go, well, that was, I'll, I'll give you a big foolish one. I lost a million dollars on an app West. And I feel like you can relate to this because you, so uh, at a time when the market was shifting, right? So like our builder said, Hey uh we're gonna lower our fees i said you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna become a technology company (laughs) so our revenues were declining and i went out and i hired seven full-time coders including like a a chief you know technology officer so like a cto so just throw more overhead onto the mix right and i had them build uh, what we called was zip tours which was this whole app where you could self-tour houses I then proceeded to go on a PR blitz where I said that I was going to bankrupt Remax um, and like some other things, which immediately prompted the National Association of Realtors and like four other brokerages to sue me. <laughs> so, so I started getting attacked by all of them, and and I had like every brokerage in town was like. We're not even going to let them show houses (laughs) like we're shutting this down. So I I basically just had this like side war going on. Right. Um, While internally we were trying to like build this and put it together. And the thing was, is this was like kind of before all the videos, you know, we can just jump on here and this is very normal, but this was ten years ago. And so we were having to really do a lot of um, the basics and like building video technology and putting things together. So this was like a very expensive uh, situation. Um, I didn't know much about technology; that was way out of my realm. But I did know the real estate side, and I knew how it was going to work. We ended up building something that was kind of awesome, um, but because I managed to make such a scene about it, uh, we, we basically like couldn't couldn't get it. In. The thing it ended up working for was rental homes, um, because nobody was going to protest us showing up to show their nine hundred dollar rental in Detroit, right? Like they were like, "Fine, like go for it, use your thing," uh, but they were not real happy about us showing, you know, a million dollar home in some beautiful suburb somewhere. So. Um, we ended up using it mostly for ourselves. Um, there were other variants of it that ended up coming out over time. And they ended up being more focused specifically on just that thing and then licensing it. Whereas my thing was like, no, we're going to build a platform. No one else can use it, it's only mine. And if I had any uh, advice for anyone that's thinking about internalizing technology, um, don't. Like, don't. Like, if you have enough capital, that's go and build it. Just don't. Build, build a separate company that's a tech yeah. company. And then like is building something where, hey, cool, we've got one client and it's us and then we're going to license it to everybody else. But like there's just two different um, core competencies there and, and I greatly lacked the one um, and lost you know, over a million dollars on that endeavor. Um, but equally, like, I don't know, it's the same thing. You look back at it. Like, I love the story kind of, yeah. <laughs> like, like I, yeah. I like what we created. I, li- I liked building it. I wanted to put it together. We made, of course, glorious advertisements because those were amazing. <laughs> uh, you know, we could make better ads than we could, you know, the actual product. But, um, but I don't know. I mean, it's part of the story, but if I could change that, I would.
0: I, so I, I would have done w- that. At what point with that widget, right? A million dollars. I think as an entrepreneur and, and for you, like you have so much passion how do you know, or when did you finally cut that off? You've got a CTO, you've got seven people, you're on this mission, right? And you're the type of guy to me, like, you're you're going to do it, you're going to make it happen. I mean, what finally clicks where you're like, I got to stop pumping money in here or it has to stop? Because I, I see that a lot. It's it's hard because, again, I, there's no crystal ball. You invest all this money, you're like, I'm already a million dollars in. You know, how, how do you make that decision? So I had 12 months and I knew that
1: when I started it, I had 12 months to kind of make this do something. Um, and and my bet was either like I got to get revenues up over here or I got to get something coming in from this. And that's what we got. And I remember talking to the tech people who, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I remember we had like a really good product, like it was really great. And I'm like, guys, we got to just turn this on. Like you may not fully understand the situation, but we need to go live with this baby like like now as I'm like watching, you know, money go down on on the backside. And I had one guy and he's like, you know, if people saw this code, I'd be embarrassed with how messy it is. And I was like, dude, the thing looks good no one's going to see the code. It's like, well, it throws up an error, you know, like one in 10 million times, you know, one out of 10 I'm like, dude, just please, can we go live? So it's having a lot of these arguments with people where it's just like, can we please go live? And you have tech people that want like the perfect, you know, thing before it goes live. Um, and then finally, there was no money. And we had to have a, a bad day of reckoning where everyone was like, oh, um, and that was horrible. And, you know, there were a lot of people that were like, wow, Mike was awful at this. And I can look back and go, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but but I paid for it, you know. So, so it was like, it all came out of my pocket. It's not like I was taking shareholders money or anything else. Like that was totally me. And so, you know, if somebody wants to spend a million dollars of their own money and it doesn't work, well, shame on them. Now I might feel differently if that was somebody that was at like, you know, messing around with some public company's money and they do something goofy like that, but it was my own. So, um, yeah, it's a hard one when you got to pull the plug on something that you're, you're really driven about stuff.
0: Yeah, so looking, looking to the future, currently what you're doing now, I mean, I think a lot of people, uh, myself included, is very interested in, you know, your focus and direction now on your model. Uh, where are you doing it now? On the west side of Michigan? Is that? Yeah, so we've
1: got, um, we did a couple of different developments um, in west Michigan. Uh, we did one in Holland. We did one in Grand Haven. Uh, we've got one that we're doing up in Traverse City. Um, I'm really excited about Traverse City, actually. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And and the the math on it's just um, disproportionately um, good. And and that's like everything that we're looking for just has to meet fundamentals. Um, so from having managed five thousand homes, uh, we had like five thousand accidental <laughs> investors, and there were so many reasons that people would have a A rental home. And there just started to be a lot of truths um, where you could kind of look at it and go, like, this is going to work or this is not going to work. And so over the last 15 years, you know, we kind of started to put together um, truths, you know, just like when when this hits, it works. Um, So from having flipped uh, 500 homes plus, um, you needed to have 20% embedded equity when you're done. And so what that means is if I have a $100,000 home, I need to be in it at 80,000 after all of my expenses to make any money mm-hmm. um, right. because people don't think about transaction costs, transfer taxes, vacancies, interest, yada, 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 yada. So if I have that, I actually have a 10% margin. All right. So it's kind of just learning like I got to have 20% to get 10%. And yeah. if I end up with 30%, then I got... You know, so, so having 20% embedded equity in anything that we go to minimum um, is just a truth. Um, having... Uh, something that is an eight cap or higher. And and I know it's a bit of a real estate term. So if there's other business owners who are like, what's a cap rate? Um, All it is is to say, if you bought a $100,000 home and you paid all of your expenses, taxes, vacancy, like everything. And then at the end of the day, you were left with uh, $10,000 and you had no loan on it. So you just paid cash, put a hundred grand in Mm -hmm. and you have $10,000 at the end. You have a 10 cap. It means you get a 10% cash on cash return without leverage. Now, it doesn't mean you don't have to do leverage, but it's just a good way to kind of see deals without the leverage messing up the returns and stuff. So we said, hey, you have to be at least an eight cap because, you know, people can get non risk adjusted returns in the four and five percent range. So so why would you go and do this um, on an income basis for that? And then you're not betting on appreciation. You treat appreciation as just nice. (laughs) So it's like, you know, if if the home ends up appreciating now, that is candidly where we won over the last three years is things appreciated like 30%. So then, you know, you have a 20% embedded equity, you get another 30% and it looks like a really nice, nice deal. Um, but you try to not uh, bet on luck. You try to bet on just like, how do we get fundamentals in a place where we're safe? Um, if we're holding this, we're getting an 8% cap. That probably means you're getting close to a 14 to 18% uh, IRR, which is really good. And then you're okay holding it. So uh, if you can sell it and the market goes great, then awesome. And everyone gets a good return. And if it doesn't, you just kind of hold it for a really long time. Um, That works as well. And then the other is, how do you do that? Well, you got to buy stuff below replacement. Um, And so in new construction, that's buying land below replacement. And this is the one where everyone's always like, how do you do that? Um, And and that is the hard part is you got to go and find. So like it costs 30 plus thousand to develop a lot if it's free and it's not. So say the land, you know, it's hard to have a lot that would take vacant land for less than $50,000. So we try to buy lots at 20 to 30. Um, And and, uh, the only way you do that is you're finding somebody that's in some kind of a distress situation, whether that's a city that owns lots or other people. um, So that you're able to come in and basically blow replacement and our bet there is well, um, you know, if I'm buying below what this can be replaced at, I have an intrinsic value um, advantage over other people that are going to try to do this. Um, so, you know, those are kind of the big things is, is embedded equity, giving a minimum of an eight cap coming in um, below replacement value. And then the other part is to be unafraid to go where others aren't. Um, Trevor City is a good example of that. Um you can't get money from California and New York for Traverse City. <laughs> it 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 falls outside of everyone's basically anything outside of Atlanta, Florida, and Arizona and Texas falls outside of everyone's like you know manifesto that they can invest in. Um, and so because of that, I think it's a big opportunity. They completely overlook uh, things in the Midwest that you know we, if we're folks that live here, uh, we look out and we're like, well, this is a really nice area. I live here; it's beautiful. Like you know, these homes are just. Better values. Um, you would get like a five cap in Atlanta right now, and we're getting eight to ten caps in Michigan. Um, so to me, just on a risk off base, just, just like looking at the two, this seems better. I don't understand how you buy something that's a five percent return when rates are six and a half. That they're literally taking cash flow negative positions on a bet that things are gonna go up. And we try to take a cash flow positive um position on a statement of i don't know if things are
0: going to go up yeah. which to me feels a little bit more uh true so, so you mentioned a lot of it now with with great lakes it's friends and family are are you open to is this do you call it do you call is it a syndication is, is that the correct terminology for it or here's a good lesson that i've the answer is yes like okay. we'll syndicate stuff and we're, we're
1: open to work with but it's earnestly you know it's it's people we want to work with and and what i've learned um, is that a, a good deal, uh, a bad deal with good people is still a good deal. Um, a, a good deal with bad people is a bad deal. <laughs> um, and so this is just one of those lessons, uh, from, from the last three years where, um, you know, I just feel like I'm at a spot where, um, I want to work with people that I want to work with and, and I want people who go, I kind of like Mike and I like what he's doing. Um, I understand me. I'm, I'm a little goofy and I'm a little different and I'm going to push things. But because of that, like we find interesting value and we can make things happen. And if somebody looks at that and they're like, that's, that's interesting, then yeah, we want to talk and see if there's a way that we can, you know, put something together. Um, but equally, um, we're not doing the rapid growth thing. Yeah. We're just doing enough. Um, and maybe that's another lesson, uh, Wes, know what enough is. Yeah. I didn't know what enough was. Um, and I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs that make millions and they're like, what is enough, you know, and and um, I, I think it's important that people have that in their head because that that really changes how you shape a business. And you can much more cohesively have a business where you go, I want it to just be this size and be great, like yeah. be really, really great, but be like right here. And when people are like, do you want to be bigger? I can put more money and you can be like, no, like I'm <laughs>
0: this is where I want to be,
1: whatever that is
0: for people, you know, and it's different yeah. for each person. Well, Mike, I, I really appreciate the share. Uh, I picked up a ton of nuggets with your story. I'm super excited for you in the future. Um, if there are those really great people for good deals and relationships, how how can people contact you? I'm sure there's some people out there that, you know, would love to connect with you to get, to get some more information as to what you're doing now. Um, I know for one, for me, uh, the product and company you built served me in my life extremely well. Kind of helped me get to that next phase of life. So I really appreciate, it and I think what you're doing in this next version of your life, I'm excited to see where that goes. And I'm sure there's some people that would love to, uh, you know, connect with you too. So how can people find you? Cool. Well, um, first of all, it it is cool that we got
1: to meet as like a a client that way, and, yeah. and also it's been cool to. Um, see everything you can put together from a marketing standpoint, which I think is outstanding. Um, clearly, like you have a professional microphone. I've got to upgrade yeah. that game. <laughs> it's but, fancy. It's fancy. Um, LinkedIn is a great, great place. Just Mike Kalis on on LinkedIn. Um, I have a sort of uh, decent uh, following there, and I'm on that a lot. Uh, the other place, of course, would be great. Greatlakeinvestments.com is our investment website. If you wanted to see some of the homes and things that we put together, uh, Great Lake Realty. .com is a good place to just go and see uh, the different rentals and things that we've um, been able to, to build and create. Well, Awesome.
0: Well, Mikey, Mike, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Cool. Thank you. And uh, if you learned something today, uh, tell some of you about the podcast. Thanks again, Mike Kalis. This has been another exciting episode of Entrepreneur Intel. See you next time. Thanks. This has been another episode of Entrepreneur Intel. Thank you for joining us. For show notes or other episodes, please visit us at entrepreneurintel.com. Until next time.